Hello and uh, welcome back to the Short Side Option Podcast. Uh, I'm Chris Sork, alongside Dilu, and uh, we grabbed Sam Bradshaw of uh, Sikkim365 uh, to preview the 2019 Baylor Bears and uh, their football season. Uh, Baylor, to me, is a kind of an interesting team uh, here as we look at uh, what the Big 12 has to offer in 2019. Uh, they get off uh, with a pretty in, a pretty soft start of their schedule. Uh, three uh, non-con games, all against uh, Group of Five or I believe even FCS competition, uh, to where they should start out three and zero before they uh, have a big game against Iowa State early on in Waco uh, that could really uh, get the uh, get the season off to a great start for Baylor. Uh, should they uh, be able to beat Iowa State that game? Uh, Dilu, what do you think about uh, the Baylor Bears here in 2019? Well, Chris, to be uh, totally transparent with you, I haven't really studied Baylor too much because oh, yeah. I, I didn't have the chance to, uh, to talk to Mr. Bradshaw because I was out bowling last week while you were talking to him. Well, before we get into our interview with Sam, how'd you bowl? Uh, I bowled great. I think I bowled a uh, 6.45 or so. Um, our, it was the last week of league. Uh, our team won. We finished in first place. And you know what? I was the top bowler in the league this season. 207 average. So, uh, that, I mean, that speaks for itself. We, we do it all here on the short side option. While, while one of us is in here grinding X and O's, talking to uh, experts across the country, the other one's out there holding uh, holding his end of the bargain, knocking down pins. We excel here in all avenues at uh, the short side option. And uh, we think we're, I think you're going to really like uh, what you have to hear from Sam. He does a great job uh, covering Baylor and a uh, really smart X's and O's guy, as well as, uh, you know, a really nice touch analytically, too, kind of seeing what the numbers tell you uh, about the Baylor Bears and uh, the rest of the conference here as we go into 2019. Take a listen. All right, we are talking Baylor football here with Sam Bradshaw. Uh, Sam is a, a writer here for Sikkim365.com. Uh, you can follow uh, him on Twitter as well uh, at uh, at uh, Baylor underscore S11. Uh, he does a good job covering Baylor football, the X's and O's, and, and all things really uh, about Baylor football there. Sam, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, uh, thanks for making some time for us. Uh, this Baylor football team, uh, an interesting uh, position uh, going in here to the 2019 season. Uh, Matt Rule's third year at, uh, at the helm of the Baylor Bears. Uh, 2017, one win. Uh, last year, uh, six wins. Uh, and then plus another one in a bowl game uh, against, um, against the Vanderbilt Commodores. Uh, how are expectations going into the season uh, for the Baylor Bears? Well, I think expectations are high for them getting off to a good start, uh, not only because the schedule is pretty much backloaded, but also this is a pattern that Rule had when he was the head coach at Temple. His first year, he went 2-10. and ten. The next year, he went 6-6. Six and six. And then he rallied off two 10-win seasons in a row that culminated in winning the American Conference the year before Baylor hired him. So this isn't unprecedented territory for him. This is not unprecedented territory for his defensive coordinator, Phil Snow, who had a very similar turnaround to that total record with his defensive unit. They went from a unit that was giving up a lot of big plays and really struggling the first couple of years to being one of the better defenses in the country the last two years that they were at Temple. 
So expectations are high given the fact that you just went to a bowl game a year after you went one and 11. So you basically went six and six during the limbo year from when the prior staff was fired and they brought in Jim Grobe to kind of manage the ship. Then you went to one and 11 and you got back to a six and six regular season. And then you knock off a SEC East team in Vanderbilt in the bowl game and do it with a record setting offense that they simply had no answer for. It's hard not to be optimistic about your chances. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I do want to talk to you about that schedule. Uh, as we had you know, talked a little bit about uh, on our off air, I should say, uh, the, the schedule sets up, you know, really nice for him early on. Uh, three non-conference games against Stephen F. Austin, uh, UTSA, and Rice. Uh, before really, I think, a, a big game uh, in the conference right off the bat, uh, the conference home opener for Baylor, uh, as they welcome the Iowa State Cyclones to Waco. You win that game, and uh, you get K-State uh, on the road next week, uh, and then Texas Tech and then an Oklahoma State team, uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of imagination, really, to see a 7-0 and or a 6-1 type start for Baylor this year. Right. You you would certainly expect to be 3-0 and after you go through Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, and Rice. And then after that, Iowa State is a team that they pulled away from the Bears late in each of the last two games, but Baylor was right there with them. And you got to think if the line takes the next step, that you would be a little better in the red zone. That's winnable. And then Kansas State and Tech have been close matchups the last couple of years for most of the game. And then uh, their matchups at the Bears won last fall. So realistically, I think four and two is probably about as bad as you could expect to be out of the first six games. And you could be potentially doing a lot better than that. And then you have Oklahoma State, who could be a lot tougher, could take a step back. I think a lot determines on how their quarterback decision ends up panning out. I know they've got the Hawaii transfer and then a young kid who just redshirted. And then West Virginia's anyone's guess with a new coaching staff and a whole bunch of graduation hits there. TCU should have a loaded defense again, but what do they have at quarterback? So you have a lot of games there where you can potentially see a win if things break right before you host UT and OU who figure to be at the top of the conference and figure to have the most raw talent of anybody in the league. No, I think, I think that's really well put. It'll be interesting to see what kind of start Baylor gets off to and, and uh, what they are able to uh, where they're able to find themselves in the big 12 standings and, and potentially the uh, national conversation here is as they get into uh, November and late October. Uh, as, as you mentioned, the offensive line, that probably stands to be the biggest question mark on an offense uh, that returns a quarterback like uh, like Charlie Brewer, who uh, did a very nice job last year when he was healthy. And uh, they do return quite a bit. They do lose Jay, uh, Hurd at uh, kind of a flex position, um, you know, running back wide receiver, but uh, a lot of returning talent at the skill positions for the Bears coming into uh, to 2019. Right. When uh, the uh, coaching change happened as a result of everything that went down in 2016, the offensive and defensive line took a lot of hits, as well as just a couple areas that got hit due to graduation. But the wide receiver core 
And to a certain degree, the running back room really didn't get hit that hard. And Rule did a really good job picking up Charlie Brewer. Brewer's a guy that can run a little bit. He's got a solid enough arm. He's accurate. He's got a little bit of a gunslinger, but he makes really good decisions. He's a lot like Baker Mayfield in having those traits. Obviously, I don't think he's Mayfield or he hadn't proven that ability yet. But at the same time, he gives you a lot of the ability to keep the playbook open, both in the air and on the ground, and just keeps the offense humming at a good pace. The speed is everywhere at receiver. You've got Chris Platt, who is a legitimate, outstanding track guy, and so is Tyquan Thornton. Denzel Mims has made his presence known very well in the games with Kansas State the last two years. Josh Fleeks is a true sophomore who's who's got outstanding speed and started against Vanderbilt. And Marquez Jones ripped off a touchdown from over half a field away from the end zone against Vanderbilt, where he was just pulling away from guys. So you've got a receiving core that can really fly. And then Jamichael Hasty, Tristan Ebner, and John Lovett have all scored from long range. You've got the weapons at the skill position. You just have to take the next step on the line. And I think it'll be the first year where the line is kind of where you would expect a Big 12 team to be across the board. In 2017, they were really hurting. Prior to the season even starting, you lost your probable starting left tackle, probable starting center, and probable backup guard, all to medical retirements before the season even started. Then you had a starting guard leave the team. You had a couple other injuries. By the time you settled down into your actual rotation, you were down to two tight ends that moved during summer two true freshmen, and three genuine ready-for-prime-time Big 12 offensive linemen. Yeah, that's a, and that's a tough situation to be in for sure. Uh, but I think that really, I mean, in seeing kind of that whole situation and how uh, Rule was able to uh, kind of go on the fly and, and, you know, really have a nice second year there and, and shaping up for what should be a, a good third year at the helm for him, Talk a little bit about the job that he has done uh, inheriting what was a messy situation in terms of, you know, off the field stuff. And then also too just on the field stuff with, uh, you know, kind of a, a bit of a bare cupboard there. Uh, talk about the job that he's done really getting Baylor back on strong footing as they uh, head into 2019. Well, Rule's done a great job, not only as a spokesman for the university, not only is setting the kind of culture you'd want to be set especially in light of what had happened. In those aspects, he's been outstanding. On the recruiting trail, he's been far better than I ever thought. And his recruiting philosophy is very different than Bryles. Bryles had guys that were system fits on offense, and then they'd find some undervalued assets on defense that may not have the size and speed you want, but can just play. For instance, Taylor Young at linebacker was a perfect example. Here, with Rule, he's finding a, guy, finding a lot of guys with high upside, and he is stockpiling them and trusting that their process to develop them will pay off in the long run. And you end up with defenders like James Lynch, who's 6'5 and 290 and runs around a 4'8". And you've got guys like Christian Morgan, who's off the charts with his spark score at 6'1", 211, runs really fast, jumps incredible. You've got these prototypes that you can put money you can put muscle on and then you might have somebody that can go off 
and be a productive NFL guy, much like he had at Temple with Matt Ioannidis. And also with their first-round draft pick, uh, the name is, of course, escaping me right now, and it's going to hit mm-hmm. me. In five I, minutes, I, the name's changed, but he got drafted by the Cardinals. I can I can picture right who he is, but name's escaping me as well. But anyway, he's done a good job settling things down recruiting-wise. I mean, when he came to Baylor, there was one kid recruited that stayed committed through that process mm-hmm. with Jalen Petrie, who's now at Will Linebacker. Other than that, you didn't have anything. And within like a month, he got Baylor to somewhere around like uh, 40th or 50th in the nation recruiting, which is not great if you have an entire year to do it. But to effectively turn it around that quickly was impressive. And then he followed it up with a really good recruiting class last year. And he's getting the talent in the pipeline that you you really start to think you're going to have something here in a year or two. Yeah, and you know we we talk we've talked about the offense uh, offensive line of course, and I think the obviously the biggest hurdle for Baylor probably to clear in terms of really becoming uh, a, a team that's going to be right there in contention for the Big 12 and an upper half finish in the Big 12 is going to be ironing out that defense, uh, returning you know a fair amount of experience. Uh, it looks like seven starters uh, via Phil or via Phil Steele here in, in his magazine. Talk about what that defense uh, kind of did last year and, and what steps you're looking for them uh, to take this year as, as they look to improve upon that. Well, the biggest thing for them is the big play. I mean, in the game against Vanderbilt, you had three long runs where somebody got out of their assignment and you had a long screenplay all over 60 yards, either four touchdowns or getting down to the one yard line that kept that game a lot closer than it should have been. I mean, the first touchdown that West Virginia had against Baylor, you have a freshman safety who didn't see a receiver motion across the field, and that receiver goes on a wheel route completely uncovered for a long touchdown. Those are the kind of things that they will have to iron out if they're going to have a chance because it's just the little things. One of the long touchdowns against K-State, for instance, a linebacker needed to play it outside in, or he needed to play it inside out and spill it to his teammate. He plays it outside in, and there's a wide-open lane for Alex Barnes to just run right down the middle on. So there's a lot, they need to be a lot more consistent because lost in that just embarrassingly bad performance against Vanderbilt, Vandy had three really long runs. Every other tailback carry they had averaged four yards. So it's not like they were able to just draw it up every single time. It's just whenever they were able to get it, they really really got it so it's not good but you see the potential that if they can just polish it a little bit you and it's not too different than where where i felt the bears were in 2012 where you had a defense that just gave up big play after big play after big play but as those same guys got older they were able to iron out a lot of the mistakes and largely the same group was the backbone of the defense that won that first Big 12 championship, playing arguably the best defense they had in the Bryles era. Yeah, no, that uh, the the 2012 uh, Baylor Bears uh, have a have a bad place in K State lore, of course. But uh, that really uh, started that. I look back at that win for Baylor, and I think that was really what took them to a different level in terms of, of course, RG3 had been there the year before. 
But in terms of really a complete team, uh, that seemed to be a bit of a springboard uh, for Baylor as they as they really continued to improve and become one of the Big 12's elite. Uh, as I as I said earlier, we have Sam Bradshaw of Sikkim365.com on with us here today to talk a little bit of Baylor football. Uh, Sam, uh, final final three here. I got it. It's a little segment we call three and out. And uh, just have three final questions for you uh, to wrap it up here with us. Uh, thank you for your time again. Uh, we talked a little bit about Matt uh, Matt Rule and the job he's done at Baylor. Uh, he has had some uh, interest, of course, with the job that he's done. It's, it's drawn eyeballs to the job that he has uh, done down there in Waco. Really more on the NFL side of things. Uh, kind of talk to me a little bit about you know that and you know how long do you think uh, Matt Rule will be uh, the head man at Baylor? I think Matt has a lot of things he wants to get accomplished at Baylor before he moves on. But uh, also, if your dream if your dream job comes calling, it's going to be very hard for somebody not to, at the very least, listen. I I think he'll be there for at least a couple more years until he accomplishes most of what he wants to do. But you never know. And anytime the NFL is sniffing around, people freak out. I remember there was about a three-hour period there where basically every Baylor fan and every Jets fan was hanging on every tweet from some kid who claimed to have inside information. And it was the most bizarre thing I've seen in a coaching rumor ever. <laughs> yeah, but, the, the, uh, the coaching carousel never seems to disappoint. Oh man. It, it's almost up there with realignment when people were tracking planes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Those, those days, uh, always nervous times during those days. Uh, but yeah, you know, for, from a college perspective, you you want to have your best coaches, and I think uh, Matt Rule's done one of the best jobs in the country, and I think he's uh, underrated when when talked about nationally. Uh, would love to see him stay in college, uh, you know, for as long as he can to to help improve the college game. Uh, second of all, I know we had talked a little bit off air uh, about uh, Chris Kleiman at K State. Uh, you uh, had some thoughts on on Chris Kleiman and, and the fit uh, that he brings to K-State. Uh, share those with us, if you would. Well, I think it's one of the better hires K-State could have made. Now, I'm going to caution this. Any coaching hire you make is a roll of the dice because it's a new, new situation for virtually everybody involved. But from the standpoint of recruiting a similar type of athlete, a similar talent pool, having systems that are very similar to what's worked in Manhattan before, being able to build a culture, having one at a high level, but not only having one at a high level, but doing it over multiple recruiting cycles. You see with some other coaches that have gone on to some very highly resourced programs that have not been able to make it work. They get all these great recruiting classes, but they can't manage their roster. They can't develop their players. They can't manage their coaching room. I have none of those concerns with this guy. So really, it's more of, do you think he can scheme well? And I think his offense is a lot more multiple and a lot more varied than a lot of people will give him credit for. And it's going to be a big challenge for a lot of the other teams in the league once he gets his pieces in place to handle. I think he coaches a very good defense. And I think the way he's developed his roster and recruited his talent to Fargo will translate really well to what he can do in Manhattan. I think it's a really good fit. I like it a lot more than the rumors I heard about Seth Luttrell. I think Seth Luttrell is a very good coach, but I also think uh, recruiting enough talent to run an air raid as your spear point to win in Conference USA is a very different thing to 
what you'd have to do to get a similar kind of system taking off in Manhattan, going at the same level to take down Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma, who are effectively following the same script. I think you need some differentiation, and I think Kleiman provides that. Well, uh, as a K-State fan, I certainly uh, like to hear other you know fans of teams' perspective on on uh, his prognosis here at K-State. And I, I think that uh, K-State fans are, are hopeful for a change and hopeful that uh, it works out well. Uh, K-State, uh, of course, uh, plays Baylor early on the schedule, so uh, we'll, be, we'll be sure to see how that transpires uh, for both teams. Um, final question for you, Sam. Uh, I've asked every uh, person that we've talked to uh, so far uh, to, to handicap uh, the season win total uh, for the Baylor Bear or for the uh, for their team. Uh, in your case, it's the Baylor Bears at seven and a half wins. Uh, don't know if you're betting man, Sam, but if if you were, uh, where would you find yourself on that side of the win total? Well, let's see. Um, I would I would probably put it at eight. I I think we've got some growing to do. I think I don't think this year is the year we make that next step. I think the following year is, but. There's, I really don't fear any team in the league if Baylor plays sharp, but I still think you've got a lot of young players in place. I think, I also think the injury risk is very real. Last year we were really hurting when Clay Johnston got hurt, and there were, and there's a lot of athletic depth behind there, behind some guys, but I also think there's a lot of inexperience with that athleticism. So, I. I think they're about a year away, but I think they'll pull off eight. Okay. Well, uh, and you know, in, uh, so far here, as we make our way through the big 12, everyone, uh, that we've talked to has gone over on their team. So, uh, <laughs> is alive and well so far here, uh, as we record this here on the first day of August, uh, Sam, thank you again for uh, making some time for us. Uh, once again, you can follow his work and uh, all the other writers over there at Sikkim 365, uh, where Sam covers uh, the Baylor Bears. Uh, Sam, thank you for uh, coming on with us again, and uh, we'll stay in touch here throughout the season. Sounds great. All right, that was uh, Sam Bradshaw of Sikkim 365 and Sikkim365.com. Uh, high on the Baylor Bears this year, um, have, having them go 8-4 uh, and four this season, uh, just barely getting that over uh, of seven and a half wins. And like I said, when you look at Baylor's schedule, it starts off pretty favorably. Of course, there is a, a stretch at the end that, that is pretty tough with uh, Texas and uh, Oklahoma in back-to-back weeks. And don't forget a road contest to Lawrence. Never, never easy going there, of course. But, uh, you know, Texas and Oklahoma are both home games for, for Baylor, so be interesting to keep an eye out on the Bears this season. Uh, you know, Dila, what do you think about the Baylor Bears? I think you've, you've read up on them since I last spoke with you. Well, yeah, I had the opportunity to listen to the interview, and I got a lot of good information. I'm not quite as high uh, on them as our expert, but uh, I have them starting out uh, 3-0. and I have uh, them dropping one at home to Iowa State. I have them dropping one on the road in Manhattan. Uh, went over Tech. That's 4 Losing in Stillwater, uh, have them beating the Mountaineers at home to get to five wins. Uh, then a rough three-game losing streak uh, for the Baylor Bears. I have them losing uh, in Fort Worth, at home against OU, at home against Texas, and then escaping Lawrence with a victory on November 30th 
to finish the season six and six. So six and six, so an underplay for you there on the seven and a half as far as that goes. For me, I look at that early start of their schedule where it's Stephen F. Austin, UTSA, uh, Rice, Iowa State at home starts their conference schedule. With Iowa State, that I mean that's a huge game for Baylor. If they can if they can win that game, Iowa State could be coming uh, into that game undefeated as well, depending on how the Cyhawk showdown goes. Uh, but with uh, that game's a huge. I think that's one of the biggest games in the Big Twelve this season that no one's really talked about. So Iowa far. State and Baylor. Yeah, believe yeah. it or not, man. I think I think where you're going to see now. Granted, I I think it's going to be OU Texas rematch in the in the uh, Big 12 title game. However, we'll get to our our, uh, Big 12 uh, season predictions here a little bit later on in this series. But I think Baylor is is right up there in terms of a guy. If you're looking for a team that can crash that uh, that Big 12 uh, title game, I think Baylor is is where you look at. Um, I'm seeing also eight wins uh, for the Bears this season. Uh, Starting out 3-0, I think they beat Iowa State. Wow. I think they. Uh, what do you what do, Without looking, and maybe you've already looked. What do you think the line on that Iowa State Baylor game is right now? Oh, that's a really good question. I I don't know. I would say Iowa State maybe is a slight favorite. I would say. I, I would be, guess. I would be. I would be shocked. More than more, a touchdown. I would. Say, I'd be shocked if it was more than a touchdown. You um, you keep going with your predictions, and I'll see if I can uh, research that right now. Um. So I look at that, and then I also look at. Uh, K-State and Oklahoma State, they have on the road here, kind of in the middle of October. I think they split those uh, games. I'm not going to – I don't quite know how I feel there. But I think they start out the season, let's see, what is that, 5-1 and one, uh, through their first – or, excuse me, 6-1 and one through their first seven games. And then um, I think they I think they maybe trip up uh, to West Virginia on a, on a Thursday night. Uh, and I also have them – uh, losing to uh, I have them losing that trio of games TCU, Oklahoma, Texas, and uh, have them beating KU to go uh, finish eight. Actually, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go nine wins. I think. I think they beat. Uh, I think they beat West Virginia. Actually, excuse me, I misread that. That's that game is at home uh, for the Baylor Bears. So I've got them going nine and three this year, and what would be a, a heck of a season. Uh, for Matt Rule and the Baylor Bears. So, uh, Dilo, were you able to find anything in terms of future odds? Not that I was able to find. I uh, I don't see uh, that one listed. That yet. one listed. That okay. On one of the. Well, it'll be cer- something we keep our eye on for sure. That'll be a big game in terms of you know maybe fighting for the top of that second tier of the Big Twelve, uh, where I think uh, Baylor and Iowa State will be will be fighting for. Well, and now Chris, uh, was there any? Uh, other interesting points you had with uh, Miss Bradshaw? Yeah, so I talked with Sam a little bit off off uh, the recorded uh, air, so to speak, and uh, you know, really a knowledgeable guy about uh, not just uh, the Baylor Bears, but really a, kind of the history of college football. We got talking a little bit about uh, the 1998 uh, K State Wildcat season, and you know, I said when K State's had uh, some some tough uh, ends to the season. Uh, you know, of course, obviously in 2012 to, to Baylor, as was mentioned in the interview, as well as uh, 98, of course. I don't think that needs any uh, mention, further mention, really. Uh, but Sam brought something up interesting that I had not heard before and I had not even thought of is that um, 
he he made the comment that oh if K State would have played Tennessee in that national championship game, he thinks K State would have uh, handled the Volunteers with ease that game. And I said, oh, well, you know, just out of curiosity, why is that, Sam? And he said, well, think about it. Think about who kind of was always giving Tennessee lots of trouble and really stopping uh, that uh, that offense of Tennessee's. And so I thought about it a little bit, and I said, well, you know, Florida's had their number pretty much forever, uh, as long as Steve Spurrier was there. And he's like, yep. And who was the uh, defensive coordinator uh, at that time before taking the job at, uh, at Oklahoma was none other than Bob Stoops. Uh, he's like, do you think that Bob wouldn't have passed along that information over to his, his friends Brent Venables and, of course, his brother Mike? And he said, you think – I think he would have taken that chance to to uh, beat up on an interconference rival with uh, Tennessee in the SEC East, and would have set K State well up for um, for that game. Also, of course, too, he mentioned uh, the the 2001 Cotton Bowl where uh, K State took care of Tennessee easily. So, uh, de- definitely an interesting perspective, something I hadn't thought of before. Uh, hmm. That's a uh... Wow, I had never thought of that before either, and I had never even seen that discussed anywhere. That's so, a good job by him. Yeah, very interesting stuff. And, of course, uh, you can uh, follow him on Twitter at uh, Baylor underscore S11 and, of course, at uh, Sikkim365. So uh, thanks again to Sam uh, for coming on with uh, with me on the short side option. And uh, up next on the uh, tour through the Big 12, we look at uh, the reigning and defending Uh, Big 12 champions, the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, Until next time, uh, thanks for listening to the Short Side Options and uh, continue to stick with us as we go through the rest of the Big 12. So long.